You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. We are live in the dining room of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island up here for the Detroit Regional Chamber's annual Mackinac Policy Conference. State lawmakers have had a somber and colossal question to answer in the aftermath of the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal at Michigan State University. What can the state do to make sure something like this never happens again? Now, two bills in response to the Nassar scandal are headed to the the Governor Rick Snyder's desk. Uh, The legislation would increase the amount of time a child victim of sexual assault would have to sue in civil court. It would also give prosecutors more time to file charges in those cases. Although the bills passed almost unanimously, some senators are calling them a watered-down version of what they originally proposed. Will the state's response to this scandal do enough to protect people from this kind of abuse and empower survivors? Joining me now to talk about that issue and others in Lansing is Arlen Meekoff, State Senate Majority Leader. Arlen, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Also here is Jim Ananek. He's the State Senate Minority Leader. Welcome to Detroit Today, Jim. Good morning. And we've got Sam Singh, who is the State House Minority Leader. Sam, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. So, uh, Arlen, I'm, I'm going to start with you. Uh, talk about these bills uh, and whether we got what we needed into them uh, to make sure that uh, something like what we are seeing at Michigan State doesn't repeat itself. Well, in, in terms of what Michigan State did or didn't do, uh, we were all disappointed in that. And um, also a little bit dis- disappointed in the work product that came back from the House. I was, ho- I was hopeful yeah. it would be more stringent, more like what the Senate had passed mm-hmm. and worked on very diligently, uh, Margaret O'Brien being the, the champion. Um, uh, we have a start. Yeah. I'll just say it that way. Well, and we're hoping to do more. And Margaret and others uh, like her are not done working on this. And I think I see Senator Anik shaking his head and Sam as well. Uh, we have opportunity to do more, and I think we can, and we should. What were the things that, that, that disappointed you about that House version? Uh, I, I think that the, the survivors were treated very disrespectfully when they testified or were uh, attempting to testify. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem like it was given the weight of, of what we intended when we sent it over the first time. And yeah. I, I think my colleagues would concur on yeah. that. Yeah. You agree with that, Tim? I, I 100% agree. You know, yeah. I think, um, you know, this doesn't happen as much in politics as it should, but, um, you know, Arlen was a, was a good leader on it. Mm-hmm. And I, we know we have a great relationship, as I do with Sam. And, and um, you know, he did a good job of making sure that, that, that they had the resources they need to make sure we, we put together a very comprehensive plan. Uh, it was the two bills that passed, or one Democrat, one Republican. Senator O'Brien has done a tremendous job working with uh, everyone, the survivors, my colleagues, uh, folks in the House that were willing to work. Uh, I think Sam's done a, a good job of leading on this issue as well. Um, and I was disappointed that um, that they, you know, they, they treated the survivors so poorly, uh, that they were so concerned about the predators. Uh, is, is probably equally as much as they were about the survivors. Um, you know, obviously, as, as Arlen said, I mean, Michigan State is a, is a I'm, a, I'm, I'm an alumnus. Uh, it's something that it's going to take years to, to fix, not yeah. just the reputation, but the culture over there. 
Um, and I think we've we've taken a step in the right direction, but I think there's more steps that need to be taken, and we'll, we'll hopefully keep working on those. Sam, what happened in the House uh, to these bills? Well, it's uh, actually the committee process, and uh, I think you heard, you know, there was obviously a question about how people were treated uh, during that committee process. The bills that came out of the committee process were not the bills that were sent over by uh, the, the Senate. Uh, they took some key provisions. Uh, they uh, put some caps on the statute of limitations. Uh, some of the criminal ones were to remove the cap completely. Uh, why, why have any uh, statute of limitations uh, on that? And so uh, in the end, we had a vote with what was on the House floor. Uh, we, there were uh, some amendments offered up by uh, some of my uh, colleagues to try to put some of those things back in, and unfortunately, those were not accepted by the majority. And so now we have to uh, take what is good of this and the, uh, the first step piece, but I do think we will see on both sides, the House and the Senate, reintroduction of, uh, of stronger versions of those bills uh -huh. uh, to try to keep that conversation going. Now, uh, the good thing that also happened is that we sent, I, I want to say, close to 28 uh, bills over to uh, the Senate uh, that talks about a whole series of different right. uh, issues uh, beyond what the Senate had sent over. So I do think there will be a conversation in Senator Jones's committee in law and justice or whatever the term is over in the Senate that will basically take a look at some of these additional uh, provisions that came through the House process. But I agree that we could have done better on those original Senate bills. I, I, I want to ask about governance of the universities and, and, and that's something that's come up in this scandal is how they're how they're run uh, and questions about the the, the board of uh, trustees at Michigan State. Should we be thinking about doing that differently than we do? Well, I, I, I mentioned this often. When universities have a great year and things are going well, they're autonomous and they take all the credit. Okay. <laughs> when it's going poorly right. and things are really in trouble, they should take all the credit. Right. Right. <laughs> and 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 deservedly so yeah. in, in this instance. Right. Yeah. Uh, we should. Hold them accountable. But again, they're they're autonomous. They sh they should reach. Should the they be as autonomous as they are? Uh, I, the Constitution says they are. Right. right? We would have to change. You the would Constitution have to change to the Constitution that. to do that. Right. And uh, I'm I'm not so sure that people aren't even thinking about that. And maybe they are. Yeah. Uh, but again, it is, is as unfortunate as for the survivors and the university. Uh, it's going to take them a long time to, to rebuild their reputation, their finances, their, their leadership. But I do believe that the folks that are on the board should stay on the board and they should fix this. It's their responsibility. They let it get here, whether willfully or, or not, doesn't matter. The results are the same. It's, do you feel like they, it's there? They should, they should stay there and yeah. they should fix it. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to change the subject here to the Medicaid expansion work requirements that are, that are being debated. Uh, uh, Arlen, talk about why Republicans think this is something we ought to do. Yeah, well, I think it's Republicans and Democrats. It's, it's both. Yeah, so I think mm -hmm. it cuts both ways. I mean, we have some 800,000 people that are eligible under this, and because of the other exceptions, it's really about 300, 350,000 folks that would be required to put in some sort of effort on 20 hours a week of work. Uh -huh. And I, I think anybody who is working and sees other able-bodied people that aren't working, they would like them to have a job. And we have lots of jobs here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I think you see help wanted signs everywhere. Uh, so I don't think it's really a partisan thing at all. It's really about dign dignity and work, dignity in their family, all of those things. And, and I think it's a great opportunity for Michigan. So, so there's been some talk about the, the way that this was crafted. It accepts uh, some folks in rural parts of the state and would be uh, enforced against uh, people in places like Detroit. 
there's a racial dynamic, of course, that 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 accompanies that. Can you can you explain that? And and uh, that must be a perception because I don't believe that to be true. You don't believe that to be true. I do not. Uh, do you believe though that the idea of requiring people who are on Medicaid to work is is punitive in any way? I mean, what, the, the uh, idea having, that, having a job uh, is not punitive. Well, having a job is dignity and value and worth but for do you, a person. Do you think sometimes the burdens of of that work. Look really different for people at the bottom of the economic. The burdens for our work look very different too. I think it's a a big part of it is dignity and having a job. Okay, Uh, Jim Ananick, how do you respond to that? You know, I think there's no question that the best way to help in any individual is make sure sure they have a good job, right? And I think uh, one of the things I brought to Senator Shirky that you know this was done pretty quickly, and I think uh, some of the things I wanted to see was we have a fractured. Um, uh, ch- child care system, right? There's the uh, quality child care is, is vastly different from place to place, from you know institution to institution. Yeah. Uh, the access, we still need to expand that. We've done a good job, I think, of starting to expand it, but we we haven't done it all the way. Uh, in my community, I also offered to meet to do, to have Senator Shirky meet with the director of our Mass Transit Authority because we actually send more people outside of our county than we do in internal mm-hmm. uh, routes on our bus mm-hmm. because we're sending people to go work to all work, over the place. To work, So I think we need to expand programs like that. We need to expand access to child care. Uh, we need to make sure that um, you know there was there was some pretty pretty major flaws in this plan. I just don't philosophically believe you should dangle health care over people's heads to say if you don't do something, us as government, we're going to take it away from you. I understand, uh, you know. That, that, that's a difference that we may have. Right. I think empowering people to work is a goal we should all have. And I think in, in, in increasing access to child care, good quality child care, increasing access to transportation uh, is is the way to do that. And yeah. I think we could we can do that and have the same effect. And I think that's a better way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Medicaid was never meant to be a work program. No, uh, it's right. actually meant to be health care. And it's, it's very clear, you know, you're watching this on the national level with, you know, the Republican and the president wanting to take away health care. This, in my opinion, is just taking away health care from people. If they wanted to have a real conversation about how do we get people to have work and go to jobs, let's have that conversation. We should be talking about putting money in the job training programs. We should be talking about uh, child care and transportation. Uh, obviously, we have a fractured regional transit uh, system down in southeast Michigan that they can't even uh, resolve. So how do we get people to work? Those are the questions that we should be having, not taking away people's health care. In the end, what that will do is it'll probably take 100 to 150,000 people away from uh, their health care. They'll start using the emergency room as their health care. That means more cost for businesses, more cost for the health system, and we're all going to end up paying it one way or the other. Uh, so to me, I'd rather have the conversation about jobs and how we get people to jobs than trying to take away their health care. Hmm. Uh, the, the larger question here is, of course, how we support Medicaid expansion, which I think everybody agrees is costing or it's going to cost the state uh, an awful lot of money. Uh, Arlen, are, is this what is sort of lurking in the back of this conversation for you? Uh, no, I think, uh, but also on the Medicaid expansion, uh-huh. we've, we've seen reduced uh, usages of the emergency room, other things. So, sure. I mean, and you'll talk to any hospital administrator, and most of them say their uncompensated care has gone down by 40, sure. 50 percent. Yeah. So it is it is working. It's now, people, people that have... But it's going to cost us money to continue, Yes, right? but it, how much more does it cost us if they're if not healthy? If we don't healthy, do it, right. If they're yeah. not healthy, right? right? And, and then continue to compounding problems with poor health to begin with and compounding, it really becomes expensive for society. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do we... How do we continue the Medicaid uh, uh, program when we when we need to pay for it? Where are we going to get the money for that? 
Uh, well, that's why I work well with these two gentlemen here <laughs> and find out how we prioritize the things we have in Michigan. And we've been, I, I, I think by any stretch of imagination, we've been very successful. Yeah, yeah. I think just this week we sent a set of bills that the Senate had sent over to us to the governor on the HICA tax um, uh, replacement. And there actually is additional revenue in that stream that could actually go to for part of this Medicaid expansion. The next governor, next legislature are going to have to deal with that issue. But to me, one of the reasons why the Medicaid expansion was so successful was because because, uh, you know, the business community wanted it. You know, I remember, you know, the Small Business Association and others coming to us saying, hey, a lot of our small businesses don't have health care to yeah. give to their employees. We can't do it. We can't afford to do it. And so, hey, this program will actually help those people. And so for us to be trying to take some of that away or not trying to figure out how to get a new waiver or make some changes to make sure that 800,000 people continue that health care, I think if we don't do it right, it's going to actually hurt our business community in the long run. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk also about term limits, uh, which have changed the dynamic uh, of the legislature quite a bit. Uh, is, is it time for us to, to rethink that, Arlen? Yeah, I've, I've often said that it's a failed social experiment. Yeah. I mean, where else do you hire somebody for a job and you want to take the, the people with the least qualifications that have never right. done the job yeah, before? Right, right. If you're going to get your knee replaced, you want the guy that's done 500 knee replacements, yeah. not the guy <laughs> that just came out of medical school. And in and, and this job, most people don't value experience. Uh, and I think you're seeing the full effect of term limits now and, it, and things that are, are churning. Does it make your job harder as leader? Uh, yeah, I would say it does. Yeah. I would say it does. And, and Jim and I have done, worked diligently to try to make sure people see us as how we should work together. Yeah. Uh, we don't agree on everything. Uh, and we often discuss stuff on the weekend that we never discuss in right. public. <laughs> uh, but you see him laughing right now because we we are trying our best to show people how this should be done. Right. And right. I, and, Jim, and yet, and yet, if you yeah, ask 100%. if you ask voters though, or, or just uh, citizens, uh, the term limits are still wildly popular. I think certainly I think you'd have a hard time making that case to, uh, to people. Well, but you never make the case unless you actually start to make the case, yeah. right? I think. I mean, look at next year. You know, there's a, you know if this conference happens again, which it will, yeah. I'll have two different people sitting next to me. Uh, That's true. Who have done, a, I think, done a good job in their roles, uh, both as you know, but senators both, but also as leaders. They're both I'll have, done with their, yeah. their eligible time, yeah. right? I, and I think that's, you know, I, as, as Arlen said, I mean, there, there are consequences having new people all the time. I mean, yeah. there is a benefit of obviously having new voices, but uh, this is not a, this is a complex job, right? And I think we need to have citizens be a part of it and run for office, but to, to, as soon as you start to get things figured out, all of a sudden you're gone. And what happens is people just run for other offices, right? You end up seeing people running for drain commission and county commission and this and that. Uh, maybe maybe they have a passion for it or maybe they just want to keep serving yeah. the public. I think we need to have a conversation about it. And you know, But you're right. I mean, it's there's, there's one of the themes of this conference is trust, yeah. right? We've, we haven't done, all of us have not done a good enough job making sure that we restore trust. Until we do that, it's going to be hard to fix term limits. Yeah, yeah, yeah my, my mentor, uh, Lynn Jondell, calls this the mandatory inexperience law, you know. Uh, to me, I definitely feel like uh, if people were given a chance to have extended term limits, so not get rid of them completely, but if you did 12 years in each chamber, I think people would say, hey, uh, let's have that conversation. The that hard part is to get it down to the ballot, right? Because yeah. it looks sometimes self-serving for an sure. elected official to put something like that, even if you exempt yourself. And so I know every uh, couple of years we talk about it. Uh, 
but then it just every uh, couple of years it doesn't get done. Yeah. Uh, but I do think if you want to change the culture up here uh, in Lansing and actually have long-term conversations amongst the parties and the leaders, I think you need to have people here a little bit longer than six years in the House or eight years in the Senate. Yeah. Uh, quickly, I've got about a minute left, uh, Arlen. I want to ask you about Republicans and, and the marijuana uh, legalization debate. Uh, do you think that's uh, do you think that's going to happen in the legislature? Uh, well, I have the votes in the Senate to go ahead and do that. Yes, I do. I'm not sure the House does yet, and uh, I would and hope it, that uh, again, if this goes on a ballot and passes, which it likely will, you'll have totally regulated alcohol totally regulated tobacco and totally unregulated yeah, right, marijuana. Right. And, I, and I think that's dangerous for our community. So, so you really want to get out in front of it and... and I think we should adopt and amend it and put it right under the medical marijuana law and no other discussion. Jim Ananick, do you support that? No. No. You said you only admit it, so yeah. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> right. No, we don't no, have I don't. much time. But <laughs> yeah, the voters should get to decide on that. And then there is, if you read the actual ballot language, there is a lot of the medical marijuana framework that is part of this. So uh, with the exception of the board, everything else is really there. So I do think there is a great framework for regulation. We can do more in January. And I know Democrats are willing to work with Republicans to get that done. Okay. Uh, Arlen Mikoff, Senate Majority Leader. Republican from West Olive. Thanks for being here on Detroit Thank you, today. Uh, Jim Ananek, state and minority leader. Democrat from Flint. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And Sam Singh, state house minority leader. Democrat from East Lansing. Thank you. For Thank you. That's going to do it for us on Detroit Today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, Wayne, a community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.